0: If you don't tell your story, somebody's going to tell it for you. And the story that they tell may or may not be the truth, and it will not be in a good light.
1: It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here, you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. Swinet Podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative companies like Merck Animal Health, driven by prevention. Ivonic, we're sciencing the global food challenge. AB Vista, new nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all. Always one step ahead in swine feeding. Adiseo provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in a high-quality, safe, and sustainable way. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Minitube, the worldwide leading supplier of systems for the field of assisted animal reproduction. Genesis, the first power in genetics.
2: Welcome to the Swine It podcast show. I am Laura Greiner, your host for today's episode.
1: This episode's sponsor highlight is about Ivonic Animal Nutrition. Ivonic stands for a holistic and sustainable value proposition for livestock production. It combines products and services and leverages digital solutions. This is all backed with high value consultancy and deep customer understanding. Ivonic turns science based efficient nutrition, sustainable healthy nutrition, and precision livestock farming into value for customers and consumers.
2: Well, hi, and welcome to Swine It Today. We're visiting with Tork Whistler from Southeast Iowa. Tork has been in the swine industry for a long time. We're glad to have you here today, Tork. Um, We'd like for you to start with just introducing yourself to the audience, letting them know a little bit about how you got to where you're at today. So I'm gonna turn that over to you and let you do your introduction.
0: Thanks for having me, Laura. I grew up in southeast Iowa. As you said, uh, born and raised. I actually am sitting in the living room of my parents' home, which I live now. So I'm the I'm the fifth generation, um, and I farm here with my with my son, who is the sixth. And um, I have kind of a long, strange journey to get back to where I am. So grew up here. Um, we had a, a about 160 South farrow to finish operation. I came into the farming operation and purchased uh, a small farrowing operation close by. A guy that was um, selling out. Uh, We kind of combined them. Then we went through the we went through the pain of the '90s, and um, obviously my father was not going to be the one to uh, switch professions. So I drew that short straw willingly, and that's how I got into the construction business, um, which I went to work for a guy that was a small shop contractor and we pretty much did everything, but the concrete, which later would really come back to pay dividends for me as I eventually moved on to a company from Wellman, Iowa, precision structures incorporated, um, Claude Griner, who if you're at all in the hog business, you probably know who Claude Griner is. Um, I went to work for him in 2001 and, um, probably in hindsight one of the single most pivotal moments in my probably my life and the fact that Claude taught me a lot and not only about the hog business but a lot about life um, and really got me started down the path of creating my own getting back to the farm he really he really gave me the vision to get back to the farm um with um contract finishing and a short story on that when I went to interview for that job they called me and I was I was actually standing on a building setting trusses and um he called and uh we set up a time and I went up there and sat down and they interviewed us or interviewed me and as we were answering questions back and forth about construction. Claude just leans over and says, if I have this finisher that I've just put up and I send you out to set it all up, how do you do it? Which is a paintbrush broad question. And I had no idea what to say. And I just looked at him and I said, well, however you want it done, Claude. And he just smiled and put his hand on my shoulder. He says, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. And the rest is history. You know, um, I'm glad I came up with that. But anyway, I ended up working for Precision for 15 years um, as a service guy. And then I became a salesman and um, learned a lot. And when I became a salesman, that really kind of clicked for me because of all the experiences I had in the fact that I not only knew the construction side, but in my time at Precision, I had built my first contract finisher, so when I sat down with somebody, I knew what they were feeling on their side of the table because I had been there and I knew I knew the reason why they were wanting to do what they were doing, and it really helped me um, i think connect with people and make me successful at what i did and and I really enjoyed it um, but if anybody in sales knows that the the mountain you climb every year, you go off the top and then you have to climb a new mountain. And every time I would get to the end of the year and I would feel so good. And then somebody would call me and say, what do you got for prospects for next year? And then you just feel deflated because you had to start over. And and I just felt like um, it was time for me to do something else. And I had I had a good relationship with the Eichelberger family from Wayland, Iowa, and um, they they had need for somebody to help as far as building specs and grower relations and kind of helping the fieldmen strengthen their relationships with their growers. And that's kind of right up my alley as far as Talking to people and uh, solving problems and that kind of thing, so I went to work uh, in Wayland in two thousand and fifteen, and I was there for five years and Then my youngest son decided after high school that he wasn't going to go to college that he wanted to build a hog building and he wanted to farm and it was just the right time for me to come back and help him get started and so um Last summer, we made the decision that I left Eichelbergers and came back. And I'm actually a contract grower for, for Eichelberger Farms in Wayland, Iowa. And we have four 2,400 head finishing buildings that we raise pigs um, under contract for them. And it's been a great relationship. Um, and then my son has drugged me kicking and screaming into the modern world. Um, and he has a YouTube channel uh, called This Will Do Farm, and we kind of chronicle our day-to-day goings-ons or going on, what we're doing, what we're working on, and kind of our goal is to show people how their food's raised, and so that's the journey we're on now.
2: I think that's a, a wonderful story, Tork. Um, I actually have different questions. I know we we want to talk about your involvement in social media and, and how you tell that story but before we jump over there real quick can you share a little bit about what you've seen change in terms of construction of hog buildings and maybe just a little bit of your vision as to where we're going to head or where you think we're heading in terms of construction with those buildings
0: so first and foremost cost <laughs> so when I so when I started uh we pretty much built only one one building. We built a 50-wide, small pen, dry feeder, cup water, 1,200 or 2,400-head barn, and it was about uh, probably $160 a pig space or $150 a pig space, and it was too expensive. My son's building that just went up last fall, Turnkey. That site was about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I'm pretty sure that three or four years from now somebody's going to build one and it's going to be too expensive. Um, but the difference in the buildings, it's it's been a gradual evolution, and I and I think I always remember Claude said this. He said when he started, people came to him and asked him, "What should I build?" And today. Integrators come to builders and tell them what they are going to build. So, everybody has a different spec. Everybody has an idea of what they want, pen size wise, feeder wise, ventilation wise. um, It's become a lot more specific to the grower or the integrator. Um, The other thing that I've seen that has changed, and I think will get to be a bigger and bigger part of what we do, at least on the finishing side is biosecurity so the first you know when we built finishers there wasn't even a workroom in them you walked right into where the pigs were and the control was on the wall and today just about all these buildings you walk in and there's a boot wash there's a shower washer dryer everything stays there and the goal is to not bring anything in from outside and then whatever you have there to leave it there and not go anywhere else where, you know, that was unheard of 10 years ago. And then, you know, the south side of things we saw our sows got longer. So our crates have gotten to get, have gotten longer. Um, we did no pen gestation back in the day and we did, you know, poured, poured walkways. And then we, we got rid of that. We got rid of doing poured walkways because, everybody was leery are we going to have to take these crates out so there's no use of putting that in there to doing pen gestation um and i think that side of it the south side of it today there is a lot of soul searching as to what is the what is the best production method because there there's just a multitude of opinions as far as how you should house that sow how you should furrow that sow what side of size of crate is it a turnaround crate um those questions continue today but on the finishing side of it efficiency gets more important as far as um electrical costs um water savings um it, you know Wet, dry feeders were here, and then they were kind of gone, and today they're back. Solar, you know, just everything that everything that you see that society's figured out, we're figuring it out in the hog business, too, because just like for us, we have solar on, on two of our sites, and we probably will put it on the third, and one of the things that I'm really interested right now in is batteries. I have the solar, but I don't have batteries, and I would love to get at least one site to where that extra power, I didn't have to send it back to the utility that I could use it and draw it out at night. I'm kind of getting off into a tangent, but anyway, it's questions like that that um, we have. So yeah, a lot has changed um, and and everything's at a premium because um, costs keep going up. And my contract price hasn't changed from the first building I built. And so you have to get more efficient or you have to get more snouts to, to spread that cost
2: out. I think that's a very good question. And we certainly, we see a lot and talk a lot about precision technology and how that's making its way into the buildings. And, um, and I think it's just interesting. We've seen the evolution, even in ventilation from natural ventilation now to our positive ventilation facilities and, filtration and all of that, right, is, is the construction and, and what's happened over the years to me is just incredible. So I, I like to listen and, and talk to people who have actually put the buildings up to get your take on where the hiccups have been and the challenges and, and you know, what you've seen really change from your side, good or bad, you know, but as we think about this process of your farm now that you're in, in this communication where you're sharing your story with others what, what do you find to be the biggest challenge in, in sharing that story of, of your farming operation?
0: It's a real learning curve as far as how to get that done. But it's also a little bit like I'm pretty sure that I would not be doing it, doing it if it wasn't for my son. And that generation is so comfortable with social media. That for him, it wasn't a big stretch to pick up a GoPro and just start recording. And if you look back, I, I think that we probably have maybe 90 some videos out there. And if you go back to the very beginning, they're pretty crude. And the editing's not very good because there wasn't much editing. But today, I mean, he has learned. And I guess that's the other thing that is amazing to me is, We've never lived at a time, I think, where so much knowledge is just out there free to get. And it's a perfect example of what he's done. I mean, he's literally taught himself to video edit and about photography and lighting and sound and how he does it. I don't have any idea. I go down there and sit and look at it. And he's doing all this stuff. And I'm like, and he keeps telling me that, you know, I need to learn how to do it. And I I fight that pretty hard because I feel like I've reached I've reached my my peak. I don't want to learn anymore because it just looks like work to me, but it's fine for him. But getting started was kind of daunting in that you just you don't really know. You just kind of have to jump in. And we've just learned as we went. But I think the thing that has surprised me the most is. People who aren't involved in animal agriculture, what we do every day, which seems very mundane, mat feeding pigs. You know, I get so tired of mat feeding pigs. I don't. You you just go in and you you go to mat feed the twenty four hundred and you pretty much space out. You're just going and, and looking and seeing if there's anybody you need to pull or anything you need to check. The number of questions that we get about what you know, what about that feed? because we use a we use an enticer uh, the first three days the pigs are there, we use a a product called Barracuda to entice them a little bit. The questions we get about Barracuda and if you've tried it, put milk on it and tried it because we told them it smells like strawberries and what's in it and how much sugar's in it? and you know, can the pigs get addicted to that? you know and why don't you just keep feeding it? Why don't you mix it? And how much you give them and how long you give them. And people really want to know the why. And the other thing is a lot of things that, as producers, we probably don't want to talk about. So there's a big fear about, you know, antibiotics and about just pigs that die, you know, because pigs just die no matter what you do, the best situation you have pigs that die. And we were very reluctant to talk about those subjects just because you don't know what the public reaction is going to be. But telling is much different than showing. And when you can show people their understanding, they accept things, I think, much, much easier when they see the why. Because you can tell somebody why you do something, but that doesn't really change their preconceived notions. But when you show them, They understand. They understand why it's that way and why you do what you do. And it's been um, I really thought I really thought that we would get a lot more negative comments. And don't get me wrong. We do get some negative comments. I mean, it's but so much of it is positive. And it's just really interesting to answer people's questions. And so um, it's been an experience that I wouldn't trade it now. I'm so happy to be doing what we're doing. But I I was very reluctant at the beginning, Um, but it's been great.
2: I think that's the key right there. You know, when we think about the generation today, our children, they are at that point where they've always grown up with a cell phone. You Mm -hmm. and I, of course, never. Uh, We can remember a time where we didn't have a cell phone. but. Our, right. our children and, and generations coming up now, that that phone, they, they live by it. They have it in their hands all the time. And we're almost approaching the time now where we're seeing that generation start to become young adults that always had smartphones. So mm-hmm. they've had access to videos and, and the things that you and I didn't necessarily have. And you're right, we do hear that a lot. And, and you put that in a, a statement to me was that, you know, it's not just telling our story, but it's showing that story and and communicating it. So for our listeners out there who we all understand the importance of telling and showing that story, but who are kind of in that spot where you were a few years back of actually doing it, what advice do you have to them to take that next step? What's what's the easiest first step that you can suggest to our viewers? Yeah.
0: The first thing I would say is don't assume that people don't want to know or don't want to see it because people do the things people are interested in seeing is just it's it's crazy um and then second it does not have to be fancy so our instagram and our tiktok and even most of what we put out on facebook most of that footage is just shot on a phone it's it's not perfect and it's grainy and it's jittery but people are interested in it and people people like it and i don't look there's no video there's no this will do farm video that i look like this um I, you know i look i've got my hat and my hat hair and i may or may not have trimmed my beard for 2 weeks or whatever people don't care people sure aren't watching that for me as far as that goes i know that but you know people don't care they the more real it is the more people enjoy it and there are so many misconceptions of animal agriculture. To just share that will go further than all of the the flyers and booklets and um printed material saying, Oh, you know, we do this and we do this and we do this. When you show it, people understand it and people um it's very disarming. And I guess if Sawyer was here, because Sawyer is pretty passionate about this subject, he always says that if you don't tell your story somebody's going to tell it for you and the story that they tell may or may not be the truth and it will not be in a good light and that's that's so true the people who are anti-animal agriculture and there's a lot of different groups in that they want to tell a narrative that we don't care that we pack these animals in here like just as tight as they can that we let the manure run out on the ground because we don't you know we don't care what happens to the water we we're just monsters pretty much and that's when there's no example to the to the difference it's easy to paint with that wide brush but the more people that get out there and show what it's really like and I'll give you an example we did a video about uh dragline and manure and about the manure management plan and about getting the sample and knowing, knowing the fertility level of it, how many gallons we put on the acre, and then how we do it and why we do it. It's, people were just amazed by that, which I, you know, it's, I was bamboozled as to how that was so amazing. But they were because nobody shows that. The more people that can do that, the better it will be for our industry by far.
2: I think that's a great example because we certainly need to do a better job of telling our sustainability story. Uh, I think we all know the numbers, but making sure people outside of this industry understand that and carbon emissions and all of those those key pieces need to be communicated. Um, one thing that, that I thought of while you were talking was, what is probably the biggest question you you get, the most frequent question people are curious about? when you think about swine production?
0: So to start, when we started, we got a lot of questions about how many shots you give the pigs and a lot of questions about antibiotics. So one of the misconceptions has been, and people like to put out there is that these pigs are, they're on drugs all the time and we're shooting them up all the time. And um, we, we show when we go through and spot treat pigs, we talk a lot about how we find the pigs that, that are falling back. Uh, one of the popular question is what, what's a fallout pig? Because in a lot of our videos, we'll show different things we do through the day. So part of that is we do most of our chores in the morning early. And so usually in about every video, there's one of us is walking through pens, looking for fall fallback pigs and so a common question is what's a fallback pig what do you do with that pig you know what if you give a shot why you know what's that do for them and what is it and and those kind of questions so i think that's one of the most popular ones and then um we get a lot of questions about how fast pigs grow just statistics of how much do they eat every day how much do they drink every day how much water you go through just stuff stuff like that. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. I think those are great questions. Is there anything else that, that you'd like to talk about today that we haven't really hit on?
0: I guess just when you were talking about technology, I think we're really at the beginning of what will be a real change in our industry as far as how we use technology, because, you know, smart controls have been around now for a while. Um, and, we, you know, we have connected, our controls are all connected, and Wi-Fi, and I get text updates if I have an auger that runs too long, or I have uh, too much amp draw on a fan. I think you're going to see that even increase. And you're right, that may be what enables us to keep our costs in check, is the more that we can use technology to do some of the management tasks that today we've got to send somebody to do it. You just don't know really what's around the corner. Um, But I think we all need to be open to it because it's going to be a necessity as we go forward, especially in getting that next generation started. You know, I never thought, I really never thought that I would be sitting here talking to you. It's a really strange journey, but I'm thankful. I am so thankful that... You know getting to a point in your life where you can look backwards. it's there's a lot of things that have worked out that would not have had to have worked that way, but I'm thankful that they did. And um, i I love being involved in in the swine industry and the opportunity that it's given me, and hopefully the opportunity that it gives the next generation. I know Sawyer, you know he I'm thankful to have a family member to to take this all take this all on when i get old and feeble so i'm trying to keep him fully indebted so he can't go anywhere
2: sounds like a good plan (laughs) yes it is time to our famous three
1: an animal nutrition technology company offering innovative products and new applications for the swine industry the combination of ab vista enzymes technical services, and nutrition expertise provides the industry with new opportunities to further improve production efficiencies. Fiber is receiving renewed interest due to its influence on the microbiome, and AB Vista has brought together research experts to discuss the industry's knowledge of fiber functionality and to introduce a biotic targeted to improve fiber digestion. To request access, contact NAM at abvista.com. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high health registered purebred swine in the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com, G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot for knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com.
2: Well, as we kind of wrap up our our time together, uh, there's always, of course, our couple of questions that we like yep. to ask at the end. Uh, the first question we always ask our um, speaker is, "What's the your favorite swine resource book that that you go to? What's your go to um, resource?"
0: Yeah. So keeping with our with my theme, my swine resource. Is this and send in a picture to Dr. Ethan Spronk, who is the veterinarian for Eichelberger Farms? Because when I don't know, I just take a picture and I send it to Ethan and say, What's this? Or what should I do with this? So he is, he is my my swine reference guide.
2: I love that one. That's a that's definitely one I haven't heard before. So we'll keep that one in mind down the road. Um, what about um, any books or any like audio things that you're listening to these days that, that are not swine related that you find really interesting to share with our viewers?
0: Yeah, so um, I just finished reading it actually for the second time because my son, both my sons started reading it. And so uh, then they were talking to me and I couldn't remember as much as I should. My retention evidently is getting poor. So Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life Um, I reread it and, um, that's a great book, uh, a lot about self-responsibility. Um, and, and I would say, I would say, you know, just about anything to anybody that is wanting to start anything or anybody that is in the middle, if you're willing to just put your head down and not listen, not listen to all of the people that will tell you that it won't work. Now then, I'll caveat, caveat that with once in a while, there are some really smart people that if they tell you this isn't going to work, you might want to listen to them. And, and knowing which voice to listen to, that is more of an art than anything else. But you know, if you're just willing to put your head down and go, you can get a lot done. And it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like you're making much progress at the time, but you get enough years under your belt and you look back. And you're like, yeah, we we've done a lot. So,
2: absolutely, that's a good book. I enjoy reading yes, that it one. Is. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we think about where you've come and and how you've grown over the years and your success that you've had with your business, what do you view to be the qualities that makes a person successful in the swine industry?
0: Be flexible, because I've had to I've had to flex a lot um, and. I've had to learn to do things that um I definitely wasn't comfortable doing. And yeah, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do, um, because you can. Um, it's not always easy, and sometimes the learning can be painful, but um staying rigid, especially in this industry, and I think I think any industry, but change is constant and putting your foot down and saying never usually doesn't age well so flexibility is key I think
2: that's a great one that's very very true especially when we work with animals flexibility is absolutely they they run the day not us that's for sure (laughs) they do well Tork we greatly appreciate your insight today and your expertise and um, definitely some things to take home today is learning how to tell that story And not just tell that story, but show the story and be prepared to take a hold of those questions that maybe make us a little bit uncomfortable, but recognize that people more than likely just want to understand. And, you know, helping encourage and embracing our youth to get them excited about what we do is, is extremely critical. So those are the take homes that I have from your conversation today. And I do greatly appreciate your time today, and once again, for our viewers, this is Torque Whistler from Thistledew Farm in Southeast Iowa. So, again, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Imagine if with a few key concepts, you could have the potential to create a massive positive impact by bringing from hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars for swine producers. Join this small group and go to the next level of swine nutrition on this seven-week-long elite online training in applied swine nutrition and feeding. It's conducted by myself, Dr. Marcia Gonçalves, and my world-class invited speakers. Additionally, you enjoy an exclusive community to exchange ideas. Go now to www.eliteswinenutritionist.com.